0: Hello and welcome to Match Day FM. It's Morgan and it's deflected in out of absolutely nothing. There's an Aston Lee. Dixie to Hardy, Hardy in behind, Hardy past the goalkeeper, Hardy into the goal, 2-1 filed Chance for Colin Day, everywhere again, the other shot and it's in. It's a as for Colin Day, it's been coming. But a gap and he goes through it and Ackroyd gets the first try of the game for Siddle
1: Dan Bradley on
0: his debut scores, his first goal for Files.
1: They've got it, with Smith. They've got it, with Smith. a score, West Smith. Unbelievable! Great chance. They've won it. Ashton have won it.
0: Hi there. You're listening to the latest Prem Talk from the Matchday FM podcast. Hope you're all keeping well. The Premier League took a weekend break, which I think was was good. We all got a breather, and we're back this week with two rounds of matches. Um, And we're going to be focusing on the midweek offering. Uh, Plus, we thought we'd have a little look back on the season so far and do somewhat of a a half-time report on the team and how we think this bonkers season might might play out. Joining myself, Joe Richardson, is uh, Sam Jordan. Happy New Year, um, Sam, and to all the listeners.
1: Yeah, happy New Year to everybody. Hope everyone's keeping well and, you know, isn't getting too bogged down by the restrictions at the moment. And I would say... Very difficult for everybody, but hopefully the uh, the Premier League and the football will keep us all going. Uh,
0: So we have six matches to get our teeth stuck into from the midweek games. uh, We start on Tuesday with Sheffield United against Newcastle. That's the six o'clock game. That's followed, uh, court past eight, by Manchester United's trip to Burnley. At the same time, Everton travel to Wolves. On the next day, Manchester City play Brighton in the early-ish game at six. And that's followed by Tottenham now against Fulham. And we'll come on to uh, that in a second. And on Thursday night, it's Arsenal, resurgent Arsenal, taking on Crystal Palace. Um, I think we have to start, uh, Sam, with the uh, elephant in the room and the news that surfaced on Monday uh, that Tottenham's original match away to Aston Villa had been postponed and instead replaced by Tottenham versus Fulham um a match that had been previously postponed a couple of weeks ago because of a covid outbreak in the Fulham squad Villa themselves have been hit with a rise in um covid cases um but they are under 23s obviously had to play Liverpool but on a good show to be fair to them um but the first team haven't trained at all since and so they've uh, been able to postpone this game um, what do you think of um, of the decision, the the rescheduling decision, both from the point of view of Villa and Fulham?
1: Good question, really. Um, I think from the point of view of Villa, it's the, you know based on what's happened with other teams. I think it's the right thing to do. I mean, you know, Villa had to pull out. You know, what was barely a youth team to be honest. with you. It wasn't even the under 23s really, was it? It was more more the under-18s uh, against Liverpool. As you rightfully pointed out, they acquitted themselves well, put on a decent enough show, but we saw uh, in the second half of that game that they just, they couldn't get out. They didn't have the, they didn't have the fitness levels, they didn't have the uh, uh, the physicality to deal with Liverpool for the full 90 minutes. And I, I feel like if that was, again, that would be the case again if, uh, if they were to take on uh, their game on Wednesday night against Tottenham. So, uh, it makes sense, perfect sense for the uh, for the Villa game to be postponed. Um, what I would say though is that it does surprise me that they've decided to, uh, that the, the Premier League have decided to schedule the uh, the Fulham match. shady that for Fulham, really, because obviously Tottenham would have been prepared in any way or would have been prepared for the last week or so with this game in mind as well as the FA Cup game. Um, and Fulham all of a sudden have had a game sprung up on them that you know on two days notice which I'm not sure I mean don't get me wrong we must have had to agree to it I'm not I'm not. you know there's no way that the Premier League surely to God can just say right you are playing two days time I just can't see how that could happen but I mean I wouldn't put anything past the Premier League to be honest but yeah I just don't see how it's an advantage to Fulham to be honest with you, for for, for, the, for them to be scheduled to play just on two days notice really but yeah I think right decision for Villa uh, me personally don't think it's particularly fair to Fulham, but let's see how it plays out.
0: Yeah, fair enough. I, I, I think um, yeah, it's it's obviously not an ideal situation, but I think it's uh, it's an opportunity that they've that they've kind of taken really with with that Fulham game being postponed a couple of weeks ago. Um, it's obviously going to be tricky with all the other midweek commitments of Tottenham um, as well as um, the other Premier League games. to Try and fit it in around cup competitions as well. So maybe this is a, a good chance to fit it in again. Not ideal, 48 hours notice for for Fulham, um, but oh, I don't know. Is what? anything I is anything yeah. ideal at the minute? I, I I think personally, it's a it's um, I, I think it's a bit of a common sense move, and it's a it, it's a, a, a proactive move. I, I
1: don't actually mind yeah, it too much. I I agree with what you've just said there, Joe, in terms of. It makes sense with the schedule in terms of uh, obviously Tottenham will have a lot of games coming up. They've got Champions League resuming uh, a few weeks' time. Um, won't have much free time over the coming weeks where they could get uh, slot the game in. But what I would say is that it, it's more that it's the notice that bothers me because obviously yeah. if Villa have had to close the training was what was it the day before the, the, the fixed against Liverpool so the Premier League would have known about this. You know if the, if the whole first team's got twice, like they would have known about it for about a week. Why has it taken... Well, maybe not a week, five days. Why has it taken till now to schedule a Fulham game uh, in Pennsylvania? Now, listen, maybe they have behind closed doors. Maybe they have been uh, proactive and, and sorted it out early enough with Fulham, just haven't announced it until today, which is why Fulham have been okay with it. But, um, yeah, I, I just think it, it, otherwise if that hasn't been the case and the Premier League have just sprung it up on Fulham today, I just don't see how that's fair. Although, I do understand the reasoning of, uh, you know, trying to free up the schedule in the later later months.
0: Yeah, well, the the actual game um, didn't get called off, the original Fulham game didn't get called off until the day. I think it was only about, what, three, four hours before kickoff. The same with the um, Everton-Manchester um, City game as well. It, it's just too late. Like, you know, broadcasts have been there for two days. Journalists have made a long trip to grounds. Um, it's just not ideal at all, really. I mean, yeah, again, reiterate, it's not ideal uh, any of it. But um, let's move on to the standout match as far as the table is concerned, which is uh, Burnley against Manchester United. And United then, with a win, can go top of the Premier League uh, for the first time since, Sam, do you know the answer?
1: Uh, since Josie Mourinho's first season, maybe
0: two thousand and sixteen. one season out, one season out. It was the it was the season after, but good. I'm yeah. um, I'm impressed. It was after a a two-two draw with Stoke. Would you believe and put them above Manchester City on goal difference in September twenty seventeen. I didn't. Uh, I I did have to use the internet for that. I think we'll we'll, we'll cover how we think all the teams have fared later on um, but United really are riding the crest of a wave at the minute in the in the league despite the League Cup defeat to Manchester City unbeaten in 10 8 wins included in that what do you reckon has allowed them to go on that run and I suppose the million dollar question is um, can they sustain it?
1: Uh, can they sustain it? No um, I'll come on to the reasons for that in a minute uh, Reasons for going on that run, I feel like in the fixtures they played, they played a lot of teams at good times. Um, That's not trying to discredit Manchester United uh, at all, but they have. Um, Obviously, I'll pick out an example uh, the Southampton result that they got down at St Mary's. Southampton, at that point, uh, um, they'd dropped a few points in recent games. and then Man United obviously caught them at a, at a good time. It was a good example. Everton as well, um, where Everton have been dropping points and then played Manchester United. So, there's two examples there. They, they've caught opponents at good times, really. But what I would say, um, what has brought Man United, um good results of, of late is the fact they seem to have got the balance right. Being honest, in midfield, um, in the last few games, they've uh, obviously got Bruno playing uh, behind the striker, which... Is, Absolute sensational talent he'll make the odd uh, bad pass here and there but you'll forgive him that when he's getting goals and assists from midfield um, but he seems to have got the balance right in midfield in terms of they're the playing uh, Fred, Scott McTominay at the moment and then they're playing uh, Rashford and uh, normally, normally Pogger off the left isn't it so they normally seem to be uh, playing that sort of shape and it's been working for them I think um, the, the defence as well has been a lot stronger of late. Um, They seem to have stopped conceding sloppy goals. So, it's allowing them to to kick on really going forward. And I I feel like, being honest, Joe, the performances of of, uh, Bruno Fernandes and, if I'm honest, I think Rashford started to come into form as well in the last few weeks. So, uh, they've looked a lot better going forward and look as if they really are now starting to carry a threat. um, Which at times they can be accused of maybe not doing so. Um, looked a little bit laboured in certain games um, and then always look like they can see the goal. So yeah, I think they've tightened it up at one end and they're looking at a lot more fluent at the other. I think we can keep the run going until Sunday. Um But, hmm. uh, yeah, long term, I, I, I just don't, I just don't think that they'll be able to, to keep this up in, in terms of uh, mounting a serious title challenge really, if I'm honest.
0: I mean, this is obviously a great chance to set up what will be a, a showdown with Liverpool then on Sunday. Um, I mean, obviously two most successful clubs in English football, but you know, it's not been often that they have both battled for the title at the, at the same time, have they? Um, obviously their successes have largely come at different times. Liverpool in the seventies and eighties when United was struggling and then United in the nineties and two thousands when, when Liverpool went through a, a barren spell. So, uh, Sunday set up quite nicely. I suppose it's worthy of a dramatic Sky Sports montage for a change.
1: Yeah, exactly. Exactly that, Joe. And, you know, as, as you rightfully pointed out, but both teams are never really challenged. I mean, there might be some Liverpool fans out there that, that was argued uh, it was 2008 2009 when uh, yeah. uh, Benitez gave the press conference. But if you actually remember that, I mean, Liverpool did well for the first half of the season, but Man United ran away with it in the second half and let Liverpool back in. Um, in the last few games of the season. Obviously, Liverpool went to Old Trafford, didn't he? Obviously, uh, got that result at Old Trafford, the 4-1 result. Um, But other than that, I mean, Man United really were cancelling towards the title at that point. Uh, Liverpool were never really in it. They only really got back in the title race with a couple of games to go. So, I wouldn't really call that a title challenge. But, um, yeah, you're right. Um, Both had success at different times. So, it'll be interesting, really, to see how both teams handle it. Um, in the second half of the season. Um, What I would say is that at the moment Man United let's be honest are in this title race because Liverpool and Manchester City City in the very early parts of the season and Liverpool recently have dropped points um, in games that you wouldn't expect them to. Uh, This season really has been uh, it's been one of them years where you just don't know what's going to happen from one week to the next. I'd hate to be a gambler because (laughs) <laughs> You're just gonna lose money left, right, and centre, especially on the all the favourites. It's absolutely mental. Um, the way the season's panned out, every single time you think a team's gonna put a run together, they don't, they drop points. Every single time you think, Oh, this team's flying, they lose a game, they really think, Oh yeah, they should win. It's just a liberty. But going into Sunday, um, if United can can obviously beat Burnley, uh they set it really does set up a mouthwater and encounter with Liverpool and obviously it's it's Favour of it with the game being in Anfield but um, if United can go there and take something from the game that will give them a real, real confidence boost going into the second half of the season and if they do go there and get something I'll be honest Joe then I, I might change your mind on saying that they, that they yeah. could title for, uh, challenge yeah. for the title. I, I, don't, yeah. I don't think they'll win it but I do think if they, if they can go there and get something I think they possibly could challenge for it.
0: Yeah, I, I think the psychological boost it could give them if they if, if they could go there and and, and get a result would be it'd be massive I mean yeah Liverpool are not you wouldn't be scared of playing Liverpool at the minute let's put it that way um with the run that they've been on but like you know it's obviously such a such a big game in in any season but you just feel like you know a title decider you or you'd like to have it with I don't know five or six games to go and just really build it up but this could really be even though you've got you know, pretty much half the season to go, it, it seems you know, very important.
1: As you, as you rightfully pointed out, it's, it's a, it's a marker game, isn't it? A chance for for, um, for each team to lay down a market and show the rest of the Premier League that they mean business and they're looking to really stamp their authority on the second half of the season. Liverpool will be looking to get back on track because... What I've just described and what you, you agree with before, Joe, in terms of United, uh, earlier on looking a bit and can can in, in certain games look really labour going forward. That's what Liverpool have looked like recently in the last few games. They've looked laboured, a little bit short of ideas. Clueless um, is a bit harsh, but they really have looked out of sorts for, for Liverpool and You'd never associate them sort of things with, with a Liverpool side. Listen, you know they've been weak defensively over the years. They sorted that out last year or two with the sign of Virgil Van Dijk and the goalkeeper. Um, and you know that that would be a fair accusation. Um, even this season, you know they, they, they've been a little bit weak at times at the back. They conceded soft goals. But you, one thing you would you could never have said about Liverpool in the whole five and a half years that Jurgen Klopp's been there is that they've looked laboured and uh, short of ideas going forward. But that's exactly what they've looked. Like in the last uh, three games, you know, against uh, West Brom first of all, then Newcastle, and then and then Southampton, they just looked. At to be honest, against Southampton, they looked as if they could have been there all game and not scored. Yeah, um, I mean, that, that, you know, and and that you, when would you have ever said that about Liverpool? Very, very, really.
0: No, I mean, you expect playing Liverpool, or any of the top teams, really, as a Southampton fan or any uh, kind of middle middle to lower team uh, if you go 1-0 up in the first couple of minutes you expect the next 85 to just be a barrage on your goal and it just didn't happen for, for Liverpool against um, a, a depleted Southampton side who changed the goalkeeper and played for two years um, missing Oriel Romeo as well um, and Liverpool just I mean yeah really poor first half Second half, ten minutes, yeah, came out of the traps and they were like, right, okay, fine, we're we're in, we're in with a real battle here. And then once Southampton weathered that early storm, there was just there was just nothing really. It, yeah, Southampton defended brilliantly. Like the the intensity was there from them, but nothing from Liverpool. I mean, Mane was the only one that was trying anything, and you know, yeah, he had one shot on target. It's just just it was ridiculous,
1: really. Yeah. So I just think Liverpool have just hit a sticky run of form, um, and they need to get themselves out of it quickly. Because if they don't, um, there's other teams in the Premier League at the moment that look like they're really starting to motor, it, i.e., Manchester City. Um, and you know, Liverpool could quickly find themselves slipping down the Premier League table um, the way that they, uh, the Premier League's playing out this season. So. Um, yeah, they need to put their ideas up. But I, I do fancy them too, to be honest. I do fancy them too. I can't see this continuing much longer. I, th- I think they would turn back a normal way, especially with such a big game coming up on, uh, on Sunday. You're listening to the Matchday FM podcast.
0: So, i.e. Manchester City then. Um, we haven't been able to reflect on their... Statement when I think you'd call it against against Chelsea, which they then backed up with that EFL um, Cup game. Um, on that Chelsea game, first of all, do you think know, that was that was probably the first time this season that you thought that the the Real City was back? I thought some of the attacking the attacking play in the first half an hour was was absolutely breathtaking. And considering obviously you didn't play a striker, kind of played a quite a fluid front three. Uh, I, I thought they were just majestic and. Obviously, Kevin De Bruyne, well to the fore, Phil Foden as well.
1: Yeah, you're right, Joe, against Chelsea, they were simply breathtaking at times, uh, tore Chelsea apart. Um, I'll be honest, I didn't see that coming. Um, I've seen, I seen City winning, because um, they looked defensively solid in um, recent weeks, they cut out the individual errors. Uh, obviously, in midfield, Manchester City generally against most teams will win the midfield battle. Um, it was defensively enough from where I was, where I was concerned, maybe, um, for them. But defensively, they've been brilliant for recent weeks. And going forward against Chelsea was just magnificent. Really, really dangerous. Uh, could, have, could have and should have scored more, really. Um, for me, I see Man City really motoring now. and really starting to click into gear and, and really racking up those wins.
0: Yeah, and they they then carried that on in the in the cup game. Um, anything else you wanted to add on that on that performance? Uh, I know you're I know you're a big fan of John Stones and um, Ruben Diaz' best defensive record in in the Premier League now. Um, yeah, for them, and um, they they are looking a formidable partnership.
1: They are. Um, I'm a massive fan of uh, of uh, John Stones, as you well know. Uh, Joe is. I've been a fan of his for years and I feel like, to be honest, he's he's coming for a lot of criticism, um, sometimes justified when he makes individual errors, but sometimes when City can see goals and, and he's in the back line, I feel like he's taken the flack, uh, especially with him being in a young English centre-half. He's taken a, a lot of the flack uh, when it hasn't necessarily been his fault. Um, but what we've seen from him this year is that he's cut out all the... Well, I say all. He's cut out the individual mistakes he was making Uh, and he's now not only looking assured on the ball, he's now looking uh, strong, physically competitive, quick, as he always has been, um, and just looks a real accomplished defender. Now, moving on to Ruben Diaz, I just think he's been a breath of fresh air. Um, He's a proper defender, Joe, real proper out-and-out defender, someone who likes defending, uh, someone that maybe... You couldn't really level at John Stones, really. Um, John Stones is, is for me, as a footballer uh, who plays centre back, offensively good, but isn't an out-and-out defender. Um, whereas this guy Ruben Diaz, can play football, but he just loves putting his head in the way, he loves uh, getting his tackles in, getting his blocks in, um, but can, can also play. And he, he he reminds me a little bit of a of a John Terry type centre half, someone who can play but just loves getting his getting his body on the line and. and uh, and, and, and just loves defending. That's a priority rather than looking great uh, on the ball. But he can also do that as well. And I think Manchester City now have got that that, that partnership um, where it's going to take something, either an injury or something special, uh, in the cup games for Laporte to get back in. Now, how bizarre does that sound? When I know. Incredible.
0: One
1: of the best centre-halves in the league bar Van Dijk in the last two years or so. So it's incredible to think that he's now really the third choice centre-half. But at the moment, he is because John Stones has played his way into being uh, the second choice centre-half. And Ruben Dias at the moment is first choice. There's no two ways about that. and I just don't see how uh, how that changes any time soon, being honest.
0: So you made an interesting point uh, when we were actually watching that um, League Cup game. Um, in the fact that uh, Ruben Diaz, I think is is helping John Stones a lot in terms of doing the the you know the out and out defending that maybe Laporte might not because Laporte's more is also a bit of a footballer does like defending but Diaz more is that fair?
1: Yeah, exactly. I mean, I would describe Laporte as very similar to John Stones. To me, he's a ball playing uh, centre back. Um, who can defend, but I wouldn't describe him as an out-and-out defender. To me, he's he's someone he's more the ball player who plays centre half. Um, very similar to John Stones. Key difference between Laporte and John Stones uh, over the last two years is that uh, I met Laporte didn't make any mistakes really, or very, very really made any mistakes. Whereas John Stones was making individual errors. Um. Uh, also, being honest, he was playing on the side of Carl Walker. Now, I know Carl Walker comes in for a lot of criticism. Carl Walker's one of the best right-backs in the country, let's be honest. But he does have an individual header in him as well. Um, seems to make him up three or four a season. Um, gets himself out of a lot of uh, a lot of trouble as well. And John Stones, unfortunately, plays down his side. So, Carl Walker does make a mistake. It's up to John Stones to sort it out, really. Um, and it will get highlighted more because he's on that side. Laporte doesn't really make mistakes, but he's also—I don't feel like he's a leader. Laporte, I don't feel like he's—he's he's someone who can uh, coaches his, his, his centre half partner through the game, which is what Vincent Company used to do um, to all his centre halves. Uh, even Nicolas Otamendi, who's you know obviously no longer at Manchester City, but Nicolas Otamendi was literally just a rabbit caught in the headlights at centre half, wasn't he? he was just some of his decision making at times was absolutely bizarre. But when he played alongside Vincent Kompany, he didn't look half as bad as what he did when he played alongside Laporte or Stones. Um, so, yeah, I think Stones does look a lot more assured next to Ruben Dias. Um, and I feel, yeah, that that is down to the fact that Dias is an out-and-out defender. And I think Dias is a good communicator. I mean, he, he was captain of Benfica, wasn't he? Um, before his transfer to Manchester City. He's only 23 years old. I think he was captain of Benfica when he was 21 years old. So, um He's obviously a leader uh, out on the pitch and um, he's someone that John Stones really now uh, should be looking to build a real, I mean they already have really, but to build a real long-term partnership with. You're listening to the Matchday FM podcast. Why not let us know what you think? Get in touch by searching for Matchday FM on social media.
0: So let's uh, let's have some predictions for these uh, six midweek games, and uh, we'll we'll get the worst one out of the way first. Sheffield United against Newcastle. Can Sheffield United find a win somewhere?
1: Um, <laughs> it doesn't sound oh very good. I mean- as you, said, as you said, this is the worst game, isn't it? I mean, this is an absolute stinker of a game. Um, obviously, both teams are out of form. Uh, Newcastle would have been happy that they got a result against Liverpool at home, but generally their fans have been very vociferous in the last couple of weeks about their performances. Uh, Sheffield United have stunk the place out all season, being honest. Um black confidence big time I watched Sheffield United in the FA Cup at the weekend against the Bristol Rovers and they were doing fortunes in that game to be honest Um, I'm going to go for the draw I'm going to go 1-1
0: yeah that's what I wrote down 1 apiece Uh, Burnley Man United then
1: interesting game this Um, Burnley from what I've seen, fairly recently, they looked all right and look, look good at Leeds. Even though they got beat at Leeds, um, obviously them won at home. Um, <clears throat> against Sheffield United, I think was the next game. They won at home. Uh, yeah, but Man United are obviously in good form. I do fancy Man United to win. I'm gonna, I'm, I'm gonna say two now, Manchester United.
0: Yeah, I. I'll- Think Man United by a couple of goals. Uh, I'll say three-one. Maybe that's too generous. We'll see. Uh, but yeah, three-one uh, for me. Uh, ooh, Wolves against Everton.
1: Dominic Cavallone's going to be a major miss, Joe. Um, he's massive to the way Everton play. Um, obviously, he hasn't really been in the goals or, or, as of late. Really, he's he, he's not scored too many, but. His all-round game. I, I would put him up there with the best strikers in the division. Um, I think his whole the play is superb. Um, he's uh, he's sensational bringing others into play. Um, and he runs the channels. So, he's a massive, massive miss for Everton. Uh, we've seen at the weekend that how badly Everton struggled, even against a, a championship side in Rodham, uh when they have a real lack of movement up front. Um, so, it's going to be down to the, the wide players, really, to try and get in behind. Obviously, uh, James Rodriguez being back is a, is a good uh, good omen for Everton. Uh, the one uh, plus for Everton is that Wolves at the moment have been, have, have been struggling to score goals as well with uh, Val Jimenez being out injured. So, uh, I, I think this is going to be a draw as well. I'm going to go 1-1. Yeah.
0: You won't like what I'm going to say. I think Wolves will win. Um, not just, yeah. Obviously, Calvert Lewin's a big miss. Um, but yeah, I. I, have to, I mean, I'd like you to win. I'm. I'm not. A, I don't like Wolves. I. When whenever I get the time to watch the football on a Sunday, it's always Wolves playing. It just. uh oh, it just annoys me. Um, <laughs> they're, they're not. They're, they're not good to watch um, at all. Um, yeah, they, they pop it about a bit, but like they. They're just so rigid in their shape. Yeah. Maybe maybe it actually to, to, to be fair to them, since Jimenez has gone out the team, I think I think it's made maybe made them a bit less rigid because I think he's gone to the back four, played Podence and I I am a I'm a big fan of Neto. I think he's a super player. Um I'm I am a big fan probably, of Podence as well. Podence, yeah, he's a good player as well. Um, oh,
1: for them I, I think, players.
0: I, think uh, I think Neto will be the man. I think it'll be one uh, nil to Wolves. Moving on to Wednesday, uh, Manchester City against Brighton. You'd imagine a, uh, a pretty routine win for Manchester City. How many goals they're going to get is, uh, is another question. Brighton struggling.
1: Four, Four for me. Four. I think it's going to be 4-0 Manchester City. 4-0 yeah. uh, and I'm going to go... Obviously Pep. Pep kills you, doesn't he? Because every time you make a prediction, he changes his team. So... Mm-hmm. You know, he leaves players out that you wouldn't think he'd leave out. So, he's an absolute killer. But, yeah, I'm going to say 4-0. I'm going to say Kevin De Bruyne to be on the score sheet.
0: Not a bad little prediction, I don't think. Uh, I I think I'm going to go for uh, 3-0. Brighton uh, just about got through in the... uh, in the FA Cup on, uh, on Sunday night against Newport, albeit on a, um, on a tough pitch for their, for their style of play. But uh, they are definitely struggling uh, at the minute and it's going to be a long, hard season for them. It's going to continue at the Etihad. Um, Spurs against Fulham, we touched on it earlier, but if just get a score for that.
1: 3-1 Spurs. Um, I feel like Fulham... Fulham, do you know what? Fulham, I've got a little bit going forward for me. Um, I like Adam Olufman. I really liked him at Everton. I um, felt like he didn't really get a fair crack of the whip. Uh, I mean, there's a lot of Evertonians, really, who, who would argue otherwise. Um, possibly because of the way he left and the manner he left. But for me, he never really did get a fair crack of the whip. He came in for one game, he was out for the next five um, without even getting on the pitch you know, as a substitute. Then brought back in for another start. You never you can never really get a rhythm going, but what, for me when he did play for Everton, he always he, he always looked as if he uh, he could create something and, and look dangerous. He, he was one he's one of them players who get you on the edge of your seat. Um and for Fulham I, I feel like he's been their best player this year. Um certainly looks the most creative. Uh so I, I do fancy Fulham to get on the score sheet. I do I, they, they have got some good players. Um the only problem is is that Sol Spurs and yeah, I I think both Kane and Son will be on the score sheet. Uh, against Fulham, um, so yeah, I'm gonna go three-one Spurs. Wouldn't be surprised if it's more.
0: Yeah, um, I, I, it's it's a routine Spurs win uh, for me. It's whether they can um, whether they'll be bothered when they go two 0 up to go and get some more. <laughs> Finally, Arsenal against Crystal Palace, and um, well, Arsenal have have turned the corner, haven't they? Really, in the last. Um, three games, three wins. Well, the the team that he picked, obviously against Chelsea, um, a lot of young players: Saka, Smith Rowe, uh, Martinelli played in that in that game, binned off all of his experienced players, and that has worked. And it just is that is those kind of things as a manager where you know you, you you stumble on something, and then you know suddenly you get a bit of confidence up, and and then you know Arsenal looking up again.
1: I mean, he, he tried everything, he? um, in the, in the games leading up to that. I mean, Arsenal really have been really poor for the uh, you know, probably a ten or more so game period, um, really lacklustre going forwards again, um, similar to a lot of the teams uh, at this moment in time or recently. Uh, we've mentioned it, obviously for Liverpool, mentioned it about Man United, uh, Man City, but Arsenal really were too flush. Um, two players being the right word going forward which really they shouldn't be because the attack and talent they've got in that side with the likes of Albany and Lacazette Willian Nicola Pepe um, you know and then obviously the youngsters like uh, Saka and uh, Smith Rowe players like that but uh, they just looked just looked really out of sorts people were questioning Arteta and it was very brave what he did against Chelsea to put the kids in Um. To be honest, we could have dedicated this whole chat to the impact of Emile Smith-Rowe, if we're honest. Um, I I thought in that game against Chelsea, he was just sensational. And in the game since uh, West Brom, he was brilliant in that game. Uh, He was great again um, in the FA Cup. I I, I just feel like he's been really, really good. He's he's made a massive difference and he's brought the best out of Bakayo Saka as well. Um, Something which... Saka has been used a lot as a left wing back um, and he's been asked to do a job there and it's just not his position. He's just he's very, very effective going forward. Uh, Saka needs to now from now on play in one of the forward roles uh, to get the best out of him. Um, but yeah, I think Arteta deserves a lot of credit but Emil smith has made a massive difference in that number 10 role uh, for Arsenal. And I feel like going forward uh, the... 4-2-3-1 that they're currently playing is the formation for them to play and I feel like they they can really look to put a marker down now and, and try and uh, climb up the Premier League in the second half of the season and, and try and challenge them European places.
0: Yeah, um, well it's, it's absolutely mental to think that uh, obviously Tottenham in fourth have got a game in hand but they are only six points off them uh, which just seems absolutely Incredible, really, considering Tottenham's start and considering Arsenal's start. So, results, string a few results together and you can you can fly up the table. So, uh, Arsenal are clicking into gear. Uh, Lacazette, I think he didn't mention Lacazette, but he's started to get a bit of form, which is important for him. Um, and they'll have too much for a Palace side, still licking their wounds, really, from that debacle against Liverpool.
1: Yeah, I fancy Arsenal. I feel like Arsenal win that game. And I feel like that could be 3-1, 3-1 maybe, or 3-0, something like that. Yeah, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to stick my neck on the line and say
0: 3-0. Yeah, I've got, uh, I've got 3-1 down. <laughs> so, uh, that's what we, we think will happen uh, in the uh, games this week. And I thought we'd end by having a little look back at what we've seen uh, from all the teams uh, so far. Some of the teams that we we haven't mentioned, and we're going to be brief with this. Um, but I'd like to get a a little little school grade. You can um, going from the bottom up. Sheffield United. Um, what uh, grade would you give them for their season?
1: F. Yeah, big fat fail.
0: Yeah, uh, you perhaps?
1: <laughs> I mean you. Yeah, I mean I, d- I didn't know where he wanted to start with it. I thought F was more emphatic for fail, but uh, <laughs> yeah, um, yeah, F F for me. I feel like he just failed miserably. So yeah. yeah, Sheffield United, big fat F.
0: Yeah, we're going with school grades. I like it. West Brom. F. Uh,
1: I think that's an it. I think West Brom. Gosh, gosh. Yeah, I would say I would say an E for West Brom. Um, obviously, no one was really expecting them to do anything. I tipped them to finish bottom, uh, so for them to be 90th, I suppose, is one place above where we was uh, expecting them to be. Yeah, E. Uh, requires improvement. Requires dramatic improvement, but not quite a failure. I would say. Fulham. Fulham uh, C minus, C minus. I feel like they.
0: exactly what
1: I've C minus. I feel like they they punched a little bit above the weight. I mean, a lot of people were tipping Fulham uh, to be um, bottom, um, especially after the few weeks of the season. I mean,
0: a certain bookmaker has paid out on. Um, yeah, on and and obviously,
1: Carragher. He said there was no chance he could stay up after a couple of games. I mean, I fancy yeah. him to put a fight, fight up, being honest. Um, and the way Brighton, Brighton are going at the moment can't really pick up any sort of result. I could see Fulham getting out of it if, if they can string a couple of wins together. And you know, if they keep playing the way they are going forward and can, and can try and shore up a little bit more at the back, they're more than capable of beating the teams around them. So, yeah, I'd say C-manus. Brighton? E. E. Yeah. Yeah. That I, I, I could be hard, maybe a D minus. No, not good at all. Um, I fancy Brighton to kick on this year, especially with the experience of Adam Lallana going in there. And um, obviously, uh, Tariq Lamti was doing well at right, right wing back for them. Um, and they've got Basuma midfield. I like Basuma. He's a good player. He's Basuma, but yeah, I fancy them to kick on. I, I didn't expect them to, to get in. Um, Anywhere near the top half of the table, but I did expect them to be around about 14th, 13th, 14th, and I'm picking up some more results, but they're not. So yeah, I would say, yeah, I'll change your mind. Maybe not an E, but D minus, D minus, I'd say.
0: Yeah, I went for E. I think they've been shocking. Um. Probably well when when we come on to the next teams, um, Burnley.
1: D. Yep. D. Yeah, I, I think they they would have hoped for a little bit more, um. But in terms of what they've spent and quality they've got in the squad, yeah. I mean, they're, they're struggling, but I mean, where do th- you expect them to be? They've yeah. been the weight the waste for the last few years, so I, I think 13th probably is where you'd expect they only to be. That where are they 16th? So yeah, I'd say D.
0: I think we might be upgrading that. I think they might go. They've they've started a decent run. Um, I mean they're few points away from the, the drop now so they're, they're, they're doing okay now. Newcastle?
1: Uh, oof. I mean if you're basing off recent form would probably say E. Um, but maybe C- minus for Newcastle something like that. I think they'd be happy happy enough with what they've done so far. Um, picked up points. Um, certainly in the early part of the season they've gone on a, on a bit of a bad run as of late. But uh, Yeah, I would say C minus for Newcastle. I think they'll be happy enough where they are.
0: Yeah, Uh, D, but yeah,
1: yeah, C minus D. I think they're
0: around that. Crystal Palace next up. D. E E
1: was that? I think they will. No D D. Yeah, I feel I feel like they will have hoped for a little bit more. Um, But again, another team that you would expect to be where they are. Um, I mean, where are they? Fourteenth. Yeah, so you'd expect them to be violent about that, um, looking to kick on towards the top half, really. Um, but yeah, I, I would take D really.
0: Now, now this is where it's getting interesting. Uh, Wolves next. They're in. They're in thirteenth. Uh, they've played seventeen games. So there's no. Uh, we must just stress that uh, a few teams that have haven't have played fifteen. Uh, Wolves thirteenth. At the minute.
1: D minus. Yeah, I think there we are hoping for a lot better. Um I, I I'll be honest, Joe, I, you know, I've been impressed with Podens, I've been impressed with Neto. Other than that, I haven't been impressed with anyone else really. Adama set the, the league alight last year, hasn't really had a, a real run on the side this year. Um obviously scored a good goal at the weekend, but hasn't really kicked on as much as what we thought uh, Val Jimenez obviously being out injured um, and then obviously they've lost some key men in terms of Diego Jota and, and uh, Matt Doherty so um are to be a just but yeah I think they would have hoped for a lot better um, I'd say D- for Wolves Yep D for me uh, <laughs>
0: this, this is interesting Leeds Leeds United uh, divide opinion shall we say
1: yeah, uh, yeah. I'm gonna go B minus. B minus. I think I think B minus C plus is where you'd be looking at for them. Um, if you offered this to them before the start of the season, you'd just snap your hand off. Um, and. I think in all our predictions at the start of the season, Joe, I think we said Leeds would be re- around this, this sort of area at the table. We fancied Leeds would do quite well. Um, so, yeah, I would say B minus. I think they've been not short sure of sensational. Naive at times, but sensational when they've been on it. And, and the one thing about Leeds, which maybe be um, complete contrast to maybe Crystal Palace or someone like that, where you've just said then, Joe, you know. The, Leads are going for it in every single game. Whether they come on store or whether they batter someone, they're going for it. And yeah, I, I, I've I've got nothing but praise for them and how they how they uh, approached each game. So I'm going to say B minus.
0: Yeah, absolute lunatics. <laughs> but, um, but um Brilliant. Um, i I'm very, very good. Uh, I, I mean, I, I, I don't like the praise. I don't like the praise at all that they get um, in the, you know, losing that Man United game. I, I think that was just weird, weirdly over the top. I mean, you've been beaten six-two. But again, at the same, at the same time, they go and absolutely smash. Obviously, West Brom are a, a poor side, but again, some of all the goals are absolutely brilliant. I originally put down a C but I think that's a bit harsh so I'll go I'll upgrade it to a plus C plus Arsenal yeah. D minus
1: uh, for me. D what, what what did you say sorry D minus for me D minus yeah yeah I mean I've just said D and on reflection I feel like that is based upon the fact that they've picked up points recently yeah. rather than how they've played so yeah, I'm going to go D-minus as well. Um, I feel like they would have hoped for a lot better. But they'll be looking to change that in the coming weeks and I feel like they will. So, yeah, as it stands, D-minus. But I feel like that will change.
0: And we go now into the top half of the table and next up is West Ham. Uh, and I'll start this off with a B. I really yeah, like West Ham?
1: Yeah, I, I feel like... West Ham have overperformed in terms of what David Moyes has had available to him um, the funds he's had available to him as well hasn't particularly spent massive amounts of money so uh, yeah I will say B for how they've performed they've obviously missed Antonio as well for the portion of the season massive player for them yeah B for them um, I've been impressed uh, with them I don't think that are the easiest sides on, on the eye to watch um don't particularly enjoy watching them, so to speak. But in terms of results, he picked up some good results. So yeah, B.
0: Or you can have this one, Chelsea.
1: Oh, I mean, a few weeks back if you'd asked me, I probably would have said B. Now you're looking at you're looking at D, aren't you? Really, I feel like they they probably would have hoped for a bit more with the money they've spent. Um, They've slid right down the table. They've dropped points. So, yeah, D, I think. Um, maybe C minus if you're being constant. But, yeah, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to stick with D.
0: Yeah, I'll write down C minus. But, yeah, uh, Aston Villa um, have two games in hand, we should say. 15 um, played at the minute. So, with two wins, that puts them one point off the top of the table. So, for me, it has to be an A.
1: Yeah, um, I was going to say A minus. I wouldn't argue an A at all. The only blot on, on Villa would be where they've lost games that they possibly should have won. Leeds are home. Uh, obviously, Leeds are a tough tough game for anybody, but uh, Leeds are a good example um, of where Villa dropped points. And then they dropped points uh, in other games as well. We'd expect them to, to, to win. But then again, on the, on the flip side, they picked up points we'd never have expected them to win. So the likes of and they went to Arsenal, destroyed Arsenal. They um, put up a fight the other night against uh, Manchester United, possibly been unlucky to lose, uh, to lose that game. Uh, you know, done well against other sides as well, including Liverpool, absolutely wiped the floor with the defending champions. Not many teams have done that, um, if any, since Jürgen Klopp's been there. So, yeah, I would say... I would say for me A minus surely based on the fact that they've dropped points. but that could be deemed as harsh. So yeah, I wouldn't argue with an A at all.
0: Ooh. Uh Everton, I suppose I should say what I think first.
1: Uh, um, yeah. Oh
0: it's it's hard. I mean, obviously off the first few games they were they were outstanding. Um Ah, uh, but you look at the table and the seventh played 16, 29 points. So it's about, you know, where you'd expect them. Um, but with results and performances, I think it's probably a B minus.
1: Yeah, I mean, I, I think that's slightly harsh based on the fact that they haven't got games in hand as well, similar to Villa. Um, yeah, one game in hand. Yeah, yeah, just the one. but. And yeah, I am bearing in mind that's against Manchester. Against Manchester, right? <laughs> yeah. we are not, not, nevertheless, we are, um, we are seventh, but we're in a really tightly contested top half of the table at the moment. So um a couple of you know, a couple of wins and you're back up to you know, how many points are we off second? Well we score we were second. So um Four points. I, I think yeah, I think Everton have done really well. Um obviously lost against West Ham, which is a poor result for Everton um, win that game the second, do you know what I mean? So, um, yeah, poor result. But, um, I would say B for Everton. Carlo and I think they would have hoped for a bit more. Um, but yeah, I think they've had a really good start to the season. Um, only for the fact that they dropped points similar to Villa in stupid games. But the only difference between Everton and Villa is that Villa weren't expected to be where they are. Whereas Everton were expected to be seventh. Um yeah, so uh yeah I would say B. Possibly B minus, I wouldn't argue with though.
0: Sixth place uh is Southampton, uh likely to be overtaken by both Everton and Aston Villa with them having played seventeen games, but what about Ralph Hassenhootel's side?
1: Uh brilliant. Obviously we discussed it before the start of the season, big mass big, big fan of my uh, my man Ralph hassan uh big fan of the way he's got and playing. Uh I'm a big fan of how he's getting the best out of some what I would describe some of the uh some mediocre players, um, some of the players as well, like uh Vestergaard, who me and you, both of us, wrote him off. Uh completely rolled him off. Um yeah, completely he's him off. Been really good this season. Um Bednerech, again has been has been good um, and obviously he's getting the best out of car Walker Peters as well so Hassan Hool B plus I would say um, that could be considered harsh again but I just don't think that if if we're giving Dean Smith an A or an A- and Villa we we were never expecting Villa to be where they are Salanton I said to you at the start of the season they would be there not maybe not six but they would be with the likes of Everton, Leicester, Wolves, um, we would expect them to be in that mix. So they're only a few places above where they would expect them to be, um, or where both of us expected them to be. So I would say B plus, um,
0: A minus, um, just brilliant. I mean, the start, of the the first couple of games of the season obviously put a, a big dampener on it um, with the with the Palace defeat and then getting battered off off Tottenham. I think there was some question marks and then well but basically it was it was because uh, the players lacked fitness and for me Southampton are if not the, but in the top three fittest teams in the league and they just hit a run and they were absolutely brilliant until Christmas came and the fixture pile up and because the squad is is pretty thin to be honest the, the starting yeah. 11 is is very good and he's He's found a starting 11 and a system that works brilliantly, but the squad is still far off what it needs to be. Um, you just have to look at the bench against <laughs> Liverpool when he's bringing on um, and kids, and you've only got Shane Long, that's a senior player or outfield player um, on the bench. Uh, so I think Hassan Hutel is doing an unbelievable job. Unbelievable job. So A minus for me, for Southampton.
1: Yeah, um, to be honest, Joe, I think I'd like to be. Alter, my, um, my son and one, I'm going to go A-minus mm-hmm. as well. Um, okay. Similar to A-minus, I think.
0: Lovely. Manchester City?
1: Uh, just that to click, aren't they? we um, going off sheer table. Probably say C, but just that to click. I'm going to stick with C. Um, can do, you know, uh Going okay, but can do a lot better. But um, well, I think they're starting to do a lot better. So, yeah, yeah. I'm going to say C for Manchester City.
0: Yeah, that's, uh, yeah, I've got C as well. Uh, you, you, you sounded very much like a teacher there, or what a teacher would put on that comment um, <laughs> section yeah. there. Okay, but could do better. i yeah,
1: cards enough to know.
0: <laughs> uh, into the top four then, Tottenham. I've got a B. Uh, Um, It was an A, but with recent results, it's had to be downgraded.
1: Yeah, I agree. B for Tottenham. Um, I'm not going to say too much on Tottenham. Uh, At the best, being very, very good. Sinterly on the counter-attack. Found a way of playing. um, Found a way of getting the very, very best out of Sean uh, Hung Min. Um, And uh, I feel like... Kubiak has done a brilliant job in the middle of midfield with Sashoko for them. So, yeah, Spurs have been really, really good. Um, I feel like these defied expectations a little bit as well. So, yeah, I'll give them a B.
0: Leicester. Uh, Played all 17 of their games, 32 points, one off Liverpool in first.
1: Can you put it like that you would say Leicester have done really well, haven't you? But then Leicester again have dropped points against teams where they shouldn't do. I mean, they got beat at you know Fulham at home, Everton at home. And they've lost games where they, they shouldn't have lost. They just dropped points against Crystal Palace recently. So
0: I know what I you mean. Throw, it's it's, yeah. it's it's mad when you look at the table, and you can say that for a lot of these teams. Um,
1: yeah. But the fact is that they're yeah.
0: only one point off the top.
1: Yeah, but then Everton are only four points, five points off the top, aren't they? So, um, when you look at it like that, yeah, I think Everton are four points off Liverpool, aren't they? So, when you look at it like that, you think, actually, wow, well, you know what I mean? It's, and Everton in seventh. So, yeah, I'm going to say B for Leicester as well. Um, I don't think we can give them any higher than that based on the fact that they've just lost games that they shouldn't have done. Follow them at home being a classic example.
0: Yep. B for me. Man United.
1: Now, this could be controversial. I'm going to say a B for Manchester United, the way they've turned it round. Um But I feel like that could be a little bit flattering towards them as well because I feel like their, their lead position at the moment doesn't actually depict how their season's gone. Now, yeah, they've gone on a run in the last few weeks, but I just feel like, oh, you know, yeah, last, you know, uh, six, seven, eight matches, I know they've gone 10 unbeaten, but I know six, seven, eight matches, they've looked impressive in a few of them games, but, you know, in other games, they've just eat out results as well. Um, so, being one of them. Um, yeah I'm going to go I'm going to go B shady based out to be honest Joe I'd like to give them less I'd like to probably give them a C plus or a B minus but I just don't feel like you can give a team that's second with a game in hand uh, during top of the table anything less than a B and get away with so yeah I'm going to say B for Manchester United
0: yeah I mean you've made valid points there but like Again, the table doesn't lie, and I've give, just given Tottenham a B for played sixteen, points twenty nine. Man United played sixteen points thirty three, so I'm going to have to give them a, an A minus. Um, but I take your point that uh, they have flattered to deceive at the start, and obviously they've gone on a on a brilliant run, and we will um, we will see how they end up. Um, and uh we'll finish with Liverpool. <laughs>
1: <laughs> I mean, this is unbelievable, And I mean to be fair to them, they've done unbelievably well coping with the loss of Azure Van Dyke. They've done unbelievably well coping with the fact that at different points they've had large parts of the back four missing. Um they've had uh kids playing centre-arse or young players playing centre-arse with no experience. Uh, so, it is, for me, it's a bit, I feel like it's a little bit harsh the score I'm going to give them. But, I feel like with that squad, they have got, them and Manchester City have got the two best squads in the Premier League. Um, yet, the top of the table, or the joint top of the table, they're about to go no, Man, it, Man United win against Burnley, they're about to go three points behind to a team that have been as as we I've just pointed out, have been mediocre apart this season. Um I don't think Man United at any point this the season have been outstanding. They've just been they've, they've had good patches but not, not been outstanding. Liverpool, some of the results they are Villa, Shocking, West Brommer, poor results, Newcastle poor results, just haven't been the Liverpool of last season. For that, I'm going to give them a B minus.
0: Uh, yeah, so that is what I put down. Um, so if we were to score them home and away, I think at home it would be an A star. And uh, away...
1: Well, actually, I'd say A because it would have been an A star if they didn't drop points to West Brom. Yeah. I think like they'd lose the star for that because West yeah, Brom are uh, absolutely...
0: Poor. and then and then away? D? I uh
1: think. away. Yeah. F probably probably failed. I mean how many times they won the, away? Three. Three times they won away from the season, which, you know, for Liverpool, really poor. Um so yeah, probably say e A, 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 A or F. Um E minus maybe, I don't know. I mean Yeah, Yeah. I mean, I'd love to say F, but they have won three away from home. So, yeah, probably an E, E minus, something like that, they've been four away from home. So, uh, dropped a lot of points. So, yeah, I would say Liverpool overall, B minus. And if any of them try to argue that, uh, you know, obviously, some of the lads who like to come on this podcast, especially Chris Coughlin, if he's listening at any point, if he wants to argue the toss with me over that one, I'm quite happy to have an extended three-hour debate with him over it.
0: (laughs) I don't think... I, to be fair to him, I, I, I think he'd probably agree. If, yeah, then, uh, I don't, I don't he, see how you
1: couldn't agree. Liverpool should be absolutely sailing away with this title right now. Um, they prove that they can cope with the, the, you know, the, the issues that they've been having in defence, and it's not really the defence, really, that's giving them too many issues. Being individual errors at certain times. I mean, he drop points at Brighton away. Andy Robertson's volleyed, uh, Danny Welbeck. Um, in the last minute of the game you know they, they were poor against Newcastle poor against West Brom uh, and dropped points you know they, they, they conceded a late goal against Everton um, they, they've just not been the same Liverpool as, as of last year and I think B- I, I, they would have been a bit higher if they hadn't had dropped points to the likes of um, Southampton, West Brom and, um, and Newcastle um, obviously they could Southampton the are keeping taking points off anybody but certainly the other two People have probably been a B or a B plus, um, if they had the drop points then. But since they have not, B minus. I don't think that's fair. Any higher, um, I think, um, you have to be either a Liverpool fan or delusional.
0: Well, there we go. I'm, um, I'm, I'm quite happy with those, uh, those grades that we've, uh, we've given out. Um, I don't think uh, too many fans can complain too much. So uh, that was that, and. Uh, That was the uh, latest episode of uh, Prem Talk. Uh, Sam, always a pleasure. And uh, we shall see and hear from you very soon. And uh, in the meantime, enjoy the football this week. And the lads will be back uh, later on in the week with a look forward to uh, the next round of games, which is this weekend. So uh, in the meantime, stay safe and keep listening to the Matchday FM podcast.